0: Kristen.
1: And this is a thousand miles of true crime. Hey, Kristen, how are you doing?
0: I'm hanging in there. It's been a hell of a week. Um, how are
1: you? Good. Probably the same. I just like, I've been looking forward to recording all week. So I'm so happy we're here right now.
0: I am too. This is the highlight of my week. <laughs> Every time we record seriously.
1: Well, let me ruin it for you. Cause I, I have a rough case. <laughs> At least it was really rough for me.
0: So I actually have no idea what case you're covering and we talked about this before I like these types of surprises so can you tell me what this episode is about
1: Yes so today I'm going to be covering the case of the Lane Bryant shootings Do you remember this
0: vaguely um but I know did it happen in Illinois
1: Yeah so this was a ma- this was a massacre let's be real and it happened in Tinley Park Illinois in 2008 so it's a bit of a local case for me I mean you're from Illinois but not from this area but I know your fiance Pedro is so are you familiar with it at all
0: I I vaguely remember I'm sure he does I'm almost positive he remembers
1: this episode it does it like hits close to home I'm gonna like try to like not get emotional but I grew up I'd say like 20 minutes from here. So all the victims, I know right where they're from. Like I, I've been to their high schools, all those kind of things. And they're all around our age. So it just like really kind of hits close to home. And to be honest, so Carlos, my boyfriend, has a tattoo shop. It's been in Blue Island forever. That's where we're from. And he just moved it to Tinley Park. And so we've been there a lot, like getting the building already and all this stuff. And I couldn't kind of shake it. I couldn't get this shooting out of my head, which is why I wanted to record it. Cause it's like a block away. And, um, uh, so yeah, like I, I just kind of cut, it kept coming up in my head, like, and I kept going into that area cause it's in like the strip mall and there's a super target there. It's my favorite target. It's like humongous. And like, I, I just kept like kind of staring at the building. So I was like, I gotta just, I gotta stop. And this is the case I got to cover right now. And this case it's, the, like one of the real reasons that I wanted to cover it is because I think we can solve this. Not that I think we can solve this one, but I think that the cops can solve this one. And what made it hard was like some of these other cases that I've done, it's almost like, how, where do you stop the research? Like there's 18 books on this murder. And this case wasn't like that at all. I mean, it was hard for me to find anything on this case. Like there's no documentaries. There's not like the list of books. Like I was having to like, look at books on murders in Chicago kind of thing. And there'd be like two pages on it. It, it, That just kind of broke my heart. I think it needs more attention. And I I think that's, what's probably at this point going to help get it solved.
0: I didn't actually even realize that this case was unsolved. I just assumed it was so old and um, in the media so much, like at that time that it was solved. So I'm really surprised. And I'm also surprised too, that there wasn't a documentary or some other, like, you know, short movie about it. Like there are all these, a bunch of these other cases we've covered. So that's, that's kind of crazy. Do you have any like knowledge as to why maybe, or, or like thoughts as to why there aren't any documentaries on it or. I I'm actually, I'm not sure. I mean,
1: to be honest, I think it was, five women were slain in the back of a, of a Lane Bryant store. Like to me, that should be huge. And this is how desperate I got, like, not even just for research purposes, but I was just trying to see like, 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 is this being covered anywhere? And I went on to TikTok. That's like, so if you've ever been to like TikTok and like, listen to their crime (laughs) stuff, like, you know, for example, if I put John JonBenet Ramsey in there, it's going to be like, okay, I have, 19 months worth of content that I can listen to and watch <laughs>
0: probably more,
1: <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's more, probably Yeah, more, more being added daily. And with this case, there was like, I think there was like seven things on it. Like that was literally it. And then it, and it's the same thing with like YouTube. I, it was only like basically the news podcast, like hardly anyone's covered this like comparatively even to some of these newer cases that we've covered like this one I have no idea why it's just not getting the level of attention that I think it could and I think again living right here in this area I probably get more than anybody in like California is seeing or something like that so I just thought it was important to cover this case I I definitely don't think we're gonna solve it but I'm just hoping that we can get this like the name out there we can get this fresh in people's minds. Again, I know we have a lot of listeners right here in this area and before it ends, I will definitely give you guys like the number. If anybody has any tips or anything like that, because again, we got like this. We just need to get this closed.
0: Well, let's hear more about it. Come on, give it to me.
1: Okay. So I'm going to, this is probably going to be kind of tedious, but I really want to start and kind of describe the area actually, because in the few things that I did listen to, even on the news, they kind of describe it as like, Uh, like Southwest Chicago or like Cook County. And like, that's just not true. So it's actually in Will County. And um, for anybody who's not from here, Chicago is in Cook County. It's, It's a big county and Tinley Park is actually very large itself. And so Tinley Park is, there's a cutoff part where it hits Will County. And the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because basically so like for me right now I'm like 14 15 minutes from Tinley Park to drive to Tinley Park I would hit like a very populated area with a bunch of stores even like still to this day and then I have to like pass a forest preserve and then there's like a cornfield and then you get like a little subdivision of houses so it's not Chicago like let's be real this is this is the suburbs this is uh, actually I want to say the address is around 189th in Harlem so if you're familiar with that grid system like that's way out there. I'm sorry. It's actually like, yeah, it's 191st in Harlem. So it's, it's very far. Okay. So in this area, there's kind of just this pocket of stores all of a sudden. So because it's right across Will County, you do get a lot of people there because of a couple of reasons. One locals go there because it's cheaper to get. For example, to go get your gas. Like, if you're in that area, you might wait and just cross over into Will County so that you can get gas. I actually got my undergrad, my bachelor's degree, right, like, like right in this area, in Tinley Park, and I would be going to class, and people would be like, "Hey, can uh, can can you stop at that Speedway and pick me up some cigarettes?" Because <laughs> uh, everything would be
0: cheaper in that county.
1: It's cheaper, yeah.
0: I remember that.
1: Right there there's an exit for I-80. So I-80 actually runs from San Francisco all the way to New Jersey. So it's this huge highway. So again, if you're like a truck driver, you know, and you wanna stop, you know, like, I'm not gonna stop in Chicago. Like, so a lot of people will stop in this exit. Or if you're traveling, like it just, it, there's a few hotels, like it's an easy spot to get off, grab some food, maybe you to a target. If you're on a road trip or something, you need to grab something quickly. It's you know you can get there and you can get right back on the highway, so I mean this is problematic when somebody's like leaving a crime scene too because it kind of leaves them a lot of spots where they can quickly dip off to and they can either end up in you know Chicago they can end up in Indiana all these other places pretty quickly. I mean even Wisconsin if you're you're heading that way towards Chicago. I'm just bringing this all up so you kind of have more of an idea of the area and how there's so many kind of there could be so many different people like right here in this small pocket when I'm also telling you like, hey, this is the suburbs, this is not Chicago. And also I think Chicago kind of has a bad rap. Like that's, we can get into that another day. I feel like Illinois as a whole probably just needs like a rebrand, but like this, this isn't (laughs) Chicago. So don't think like, uh, oh, like all the stuff you saw on the news. I mean, so in 2007, so this is the year before, um, before this this happens there's no murders at all in all of Tinley Park there's only 15 robberies the population is around 56,000 and you know it's just considered a great place to live the year after it actually wins an award for being one of the best places to live so you know this is really kind of like a peaceful like I don't want to live in Chicago I don't want to be dealing with any of this situation the I'll just quickly describe the strip mall. I already mentioned it. It's the Brookside marketplace, and this was actually built in 2005. So only a couple of years before this happened. And they're actually, when this happened, they're still building up parts of it. And then you can imagine putting in this humongous, it's not humongous, but this big sort of area with all of these, um, like these stores, like they're not all filled at this point. That's another thing like people kind of, when you're reading about it and trying to understand it, it does sound kind of secluded and like next to the building, next to the Lane Bryant building, those stores were not filled yet. So those are empty buildings, but there's a super target right across the, sorry, the parking lot. So, and again, like imagine your target. Now this is a super target. And so to me, it's like, it's not as secluded as this sounds until you leave this direct area. And the actual Lane Bryant building, it's in a 23,000 square foot store location. So this is pretty big. This isn't like the tiniest store. I, again, it's new. And it, it, to me, it's just a little, it, it's a little more crowded than you would expect in that area. Uh, just another quick fact, because I didn't know much about Lane Bryant at all, but it was founded in 1904 by Lena Bryant. And uh, so I think that's pretty cool that a woman was able to start such a successful business back then. And she had a storefront right on Fifth Avenue, and then she opened her first store in Chicago in 1919. So they've been in this area for forever. I mean, over 100 years. Good for her. Let's let's dig in. Let's actually get into unfortunately these murders. It's February 2nd, 2008, and if you've been in the Midwest, you know that it's a like cold, probably kind of gloomy morning, and it's actually the it's the day before the Super Bowl. And Lane Bryant, they had mailed out a bunch of these flyers talking about a big sale. So they're, they're pretty sure, hey, this is, this is probably going to be pretty big for us. This is one of our biggest sales. It's going to be busy. And 42-year-old Rhoda McFarland, she decides, she's actually the manager, and she knows, like, hey, that's probably going to be busy. I don't want to leave my poor girls in there getting overworked. It's my day off, but this is big for us. And I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in. I'm going to, you know, help out. And she's been there for about two years. So she, you know, she's good with the company. She's actually in the U.S. Air Force. So she's a veteran of military services. And when she left the military, she became an assistant pastor at this church. So she was always trying to like do all these good things. Unfortunately, there were some things that went down with that church, and it ended up closing. Uh, before it even closed, she left. She was kind of done with it. And that's how she ended up working at Lane Bryant but overall she's a good person. All the stories I could find from her friends and family, like they were talking about even how she would take her own money and she would buy clothes at the Lane Bryant on discount. And she would like give them to people who were you know, in need. And, you know, for example, they have a lot of um, like more professional clothing. So there was this one account of this woman who was like really down on her luck. She was trying to turn things around and then she would go on these interviews and she didn't even, she didn't have like nice clothes. So she felt like that was impacting her. So she went out and she bought all these really nice clothes for her and like helped her with that interview process. So, you know, so she could better herself.
0: This lady sounds right? like a saint. Yeah,
1: she's, she is. And so she's helping this other employee, Martha, and the store opens at 10 a.m. So it seems pretty normal, but at 10:08 this man walks in and he's got some papers in his hands. And he says like, Hey, he tells the employee, you know, I'm here for a delivery. And they're really confused. Like they don't get deliveries on Saturday. They weren't expecting a delivery. Martha looks at Rhoda and she's like, do you know what this is? Rhoda's like very confused. She's like, let me call over. she calls like the next door over and even asks, Like, are you guys expecting a delivery? I'm I'm not sure why this guy's here. And while this this is going on, the guy started walking around the store and he's looking up at the ceiling. And it seems like he's now it seems like, is this guy's looking for cameras or something. And he's in there for a while. He's like, hey, you guys, you gotta take this delivery or what? And nobody knows what's going on. And, And while this is going on, two customers walk into the store. You know, obviously they're just shopping. They're looking around. They wanna buy some clothes. And finally, this man pulls out a gun and he forces all four of the women. So the two customers and the two employees into the back room. And he he forces them to basically t- bind each other up with duct tape that he had brought. And then he, so they have their, you know, their arms are behind them. And so he goes and he takes the money from the drawers. He's, he's robbing the girls. He's taking the money. And while this is going on, cause he's in here for so long, two other customers walk into the store.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. He doesn't even like lock the door or anything. And in some speculate, so like he, maybe he was trying to get more and more customers to come in so that he could rob them as well. But again, he takes these two women in the back, forces them to, you know, he binds them up with this duct tape and has them again, down on the ground. So they're all, you know, laying there with their stomachs on the ground. So one of the women, Connie Wolfolk. She's not just going to take this lying down, literally. And she's a fighter. Her family talks about, like her brother talks about, she is a fighter. Like he wasn't shocked at all that she was being confrontational with this guy. And she was going to go down with a fight. So something happened. She ends up getting into a fight with him, into an altercation. And he bashes her in the head with a gun. So her face was pretty beat up. Uh, but she was able to get blood under her fingernails. So, you know, thankfully they have, they should have DNA. They say they have DNA on this guy um, because she put up a struggle. Pretty much every source that I found said that the girls' faces were covered with clothes from the, you know, from the store, obviously. But some of them said it was with underwear and it it wasn't every source. So I don't want to just say it was that. I don't know if this was like just what was around or if this was somehow at all sexually motivated There was one, one of the customers, one of the women was actually fondled and sort of sexually assaulted, you know, by the suspect. So again, I don't know if this was at all motive or like he was just there in the moment. Uh, No matter what, it's horrible.
0: I feel like if he goes into the store to rob, he, he seems like he had more intention to do something more than just rob because he came in there with duct tape. So either he was. He
1: came in with duct tape. Another thing I think is weird is he's there in the morning. Like how much cash do you expect them to have in the morning? Usually you take the money out at night. Uh, Like the drop off is at night. So
0: unless he had never worked in retail and just didn't know that, but you're, you're right. Your point is right.
1: Yeah. It's to be honest, like just choosing Elaine Bryant's a little weird too, Uh, you know, for a guy, I mean, it's usually, you don't see very many men in there. It's, It's an all women's clothing store. Uh, it's actually a plus size store. So, um, like I'm not, yeah, I don't know if he had any sort of encounter there. Maybe it was just crime of opportunity. He sees it. Obviously he's not going to rob the Kmart. He's not or the Kmart, the target.
0: Yeah. Cause you think a target is going to have more, you know, traffic and stuff like that, but the, yeah, the size right. of the Lane Bryant, it's, it's, a, it's not a small Lane Bryant. It's still a fairly large Lane Bryant. Right. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, I mean, it's still, yeah, it's still pretty big. It's a lot to try to cover. Uh, It's, you know, it's also weird that he goes in and he pretends to have a, you know what I mean? Package, yeah. Why why are you saying you have a delivery at all? Like, I mean, even if you're going in to like, look and see if there's cameras and things like that, what, like, you could just go in and pretend like you're shopping. I mean, you, you know, so that's weird. So some people think, hey, maybe he was, you know, just pretending that he had a package or like that he had this delivery because he needed a way to get into the store. So like, maybe he thought the store didn't open till 11. I don't know. It's all, this is all speculation. We have no idea. I have no idea why he's here and why he's doing this horrible thing. What day of the
0: week was it on? Did you say Saturday? A Saturday, a morning. Saturday.
1: I would also assume Saturday is going to be a pretty busy day.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's, it. I don't know, man
1: let's take a moment. Let's really dig into these poor women. And I want to like, try to understand what was going on in their minds, what are, what's going on in their lives as they're now laying here on this floor. So I mentioned, I mentioned Martha, she's 33. She just got divorced and she's just ready to change her life. You know, she's doing everything that she can to succeed. She's working two jobs to try to get through nursing school. And you just know she was like, so excited to start her life over. Then we have another one of the customers, Carrie Chioso, and she's, she's 33. She's a social worker in Homewood Flossmore, and she loves her students. You know, she worked hard to get there. She was a, she went to DePaul. So she got her undergrad from DePaul and then she graduated from Loyola with her master's. Her and her husband were already talking about it in the next couple months. They really wanted to start trying for a family. So they'd been married for a couple years at this point you know, she's out shopping in the morning, just enjoying herself. She's actually going to go out with some friends from DePaul. So she wants a cute new outfit and her, she just knows her husband's just at home waiting for her. Then we have Connie, Connie Wolfolk. So I already mentioned her. She's the one who's like not going down without a fight. And she is an amazing mom. She's from Flossmoor she's got a 16 year old son. And then she has a 10 year old son who has spina bifida. She likes spends all of her free time with him. You know, she's she's not ever out doing self-care or anything like that. She's family oriented. She knows family is important and uh she's it's like so important to her that she actually leaves her her job. She has a very good job. She was doing like finance and comp- community development for the department uh for I'm sorry, for for the development department in the village of Park Forest. So she quits that job and she opens up a family mortgage business with her mom and, you know, she's excited about it. They're going to kill it, but it's right about this time that you think about it. It's 2008. So
0: right before the bubble,
1: great time to open up a mortgage business. The house, the the housing market's taken a crash and this is horrible, but Connie's not going to let that get her down. Like she's, she's a fighter. So she goes and she, so she's still trying to make this business work through a recession and she goes and she gets a, a job at the super target stocking shelves overnight to make ends meet.
0: Wow. These women were pretty incredible. It sounds like
1: all of them. Yeah. And so, you know, Connie's living with her mom and her kids. Cause again, they're, they're going to make this work. Like they're going to stick it out together. They're going to make this work. And you know, she's finally, finally going to take a little time for some self-care. She's going to go get her nails done and she's going to go run to Lane Bryant and do a little shopping. And, and this is finally like her time. And now she's got to deal with this. Now, Now she's walking into this, like, come on, let's move on to Sarah Safransky. Sarah's living her best life, Kristen. So she's 22. She's just got her degree in finance, which is not an easy major, from Northern Illinois University. I love NIU. I actually, this is where I started school. (laughs) Took a (laughs) lot of schools for me to actually (laughs) graduate. I feel like I was doing an Illinois tour for a while, but in all of those schools, the best friends that I made and the coolest people I met were at NIU. So I could just feel her excitement. You know what I mean? She's so excited. She's just graduated. I think 22 is a, you know, that's a young age to graduate with a finance degree.
0: That's very young.
1: She's got her head on her shoulders. Not only that, she got herself a big girl job right away. She got it lined up and she was going to work at the CNA financial building. So CNA financial in Chicago. You know, that was just a big deal for her, I'm sure. That's like a great job to land right out of school. So what's she gonna do? She's gonna go out and she's gonna find that perfect outfit for the first day. So that's what she's there doing, is looking for work clothes for her new job. So, I mean, I just feel like literally her life's about to start. She's so excited and bam, she she, now she's got to deal with this guy. And so our last customer... Is Jenny Lynn Bishop and Jenny Lynn is an intensive care unit nurse. So, you know, she's tough and she has three young kids. She'd actually just given birth six months ago before this. And she's the only one who's not actually from around here. So she is from South Bend, Indiana, which isn't that far. Her husband, Brian Bishop, he's in town for some business. I think he's in for a conference, which makes sense. Tinley Park actually has a pretty big conference center. You know, with those three kids, she was like jumping at the opportunity. She was like, yeah, I'll come with you to your business conference. Well, you're <laughs> off working. I'm going to go enjoy myself. So I'm just like imagining that, you know, Come on. This is like, she's gonna, she has the whole day to herself without the three kids. And she had just turned 34, five days before this. So somebody gave her a Lane Bryant gift card.
0: Oh my gosh. I feel
1: honestly, I feel so bad for that person. Cause you know, that person.
0: Oh yeah. There's, um, there's gotta be some guilt there. I mean, it's, it, it's, it shouldn't be guilt, but you, you know, you know, it's there.
1: Totally. Absolutely not. But I, yes, I don't, I don't think that person should feel guilty at all. They have nothing to feel guilty for, but I'm sure that person's beating themselves up because I feel like I would be. And, but honestly, they probably got her Lane Bryant because, you know, that's like her, that's probably one of her favorite stores. And I can imagine that if I had the day off in a town that's not mine, I would wanna like go to my favorite store. And it's, you know, this is like a big shiny new one too. So uh, I'm sure the other thing is like, you have two kids, I'm sure you know how this is. Sometimes like just like getting to go to Target by myself or like anywhere by myself. It's just, I never appreciated it before.
0: Oh yeah, no, you're 100% right. Uh, Getting those moments of just freedom—it's—I don't want to say it's selfish because it really isn't, but you know, you miss that after you have kids because it doesn't happen as often. It's—it's very few moments that you have where you get to do something by yourself and not have to look after a little one or whatnot or chase after a little one, you know. So I'm sure all of these women that were in the store that day. We're just, this is a a Saturday morning for them to enjoy on their own.
1: Exactly. Which, I mean, it's all horrible, but somehow just makes it a little worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm sure she's walking into the store. I'm sure she's so excited. Like she's got three kids. This is probably like the first time in a while that she's gotten to just like leisurely select, like, you know, go through the clothes. And now she's face down on the ground, probably praying that she's going to be able to see her kids again. So Rhoda McFarland, remember the manager, somehow, some way, probably with like her military background, she's able to get her hand free from this tape. And she grabs her phone and she calls 911. So this is at 1044 that she reports the robbery. So Let's do the math there. I think it's, they've, she's now been dealing with this guy for about what? 36 minutes.
0: That's a long time. Especially this guy doesn't have a mask on. Or anything. Well, then too, that's why, like the whole duct tape thing, that would have freaked me out. Could be it's one thing if you if if I work in retail and you come in my store and you clearly want something, but then I see that you have duct tape. Now I'm wondering, no, you came here to do something else. You didn't just come here to take the, the cash and and go because it's it sounds like there was more to what he was in there for. The the whole lie, like you said about the package, like why even do all that? go in, get what you're going to get and get out, right? It was it doesn't sound like that was what happened. 36 minutes or 30 something minutes that they were in there with him before they could even reach out to 911. And then what happened?
1: Rhoda she does get a hold of 911. She says, you know, you can just hear the desperation in her voice and she's trying to be as quiet as possible cuz he's at the front of the store and she says Tinley Park Lane Bryant, send help. And the 911 operator is like, don't hang up. I'm transferring you. And right away, she's on this. She's like trying to take care of the situation. She dispatches police immediately. And the police are right there. There's a cop right there because it's a busy area. It's this, you know, giant parking lot. He's right there. Another thing is that everybody says like that she was talking through Bluetooth. So I'm assuming she had one of those like little Bluetooth earpieces in. And so, so the guy comes in the back and he ends up hearing, he still ends up hearing, even though it's the Bluetooth headset, he hears the 911 operator and he knows like it's done. The, the cops are on their way. He's obviously furious, but like imagine being, those girls, you like, you hear the sirens in the background. I mean, I'm sure you're like terrified, but you like it to me, it would almost give me like that little glimpse of hope, like helps on the way this is about to end. You know, someone's going to come save me. Right.
0: Right.
1: This guy's furious. He has no other plan out and he's not going to get caught. He's not going to have these women uh, be able to like describe him. So what does he do? He shoots Rhoda right in the head, right (gasps) in the forehead. Oh my gosh. Right there. Then he proceeds to shoot the other five women in the back of the head. Then the man just walks out of the front door, never to be seen again. The cops get there within two minutes of the call being placed. Within two minutes, there's somebody on site. And he walks in there and he just finds these poor women laying there dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Lane Bryant doesn't have any video footage. So later on from another store, they are going to be able to get some video footage, but all they see, and it's very blurry. This is like, it's too far away. There's no way they're getting license plates or anything, but they strangely do find that right around the time that this guy's leaving, there's a dark sedan and a large SUV Both of these vehicles pull up right before the shooting and then they leave immediately after there is speculation that maybe these were like the lookouts and like the getaway car and that he jumped into one of these and they booked. What do you think about that?
0: It's hard to say, because again, like you said, it's 2008, you know, he goes into the store. I just, I can't believe that if they arrived two minutes after she made that call and was on the phone with the dispatcher he had to have been working with someone else or there had to have been someone like waiting for him to pick him up how could he have left on foot if they got there that quickly and then too like is is do you had you listened to the recording of the 911 call of her on the phone with the dispatcher
1: so they only released a clip but yeah i mean you can you can hear like the first part of the clip. You can hear him yelling. I don't know what he's yelling about, but he's yelling at the front of the store.
0: Why is he at the front of the store? They're all bound up and taped up. What, like, what, what, what was his real plan? You know, Ashley, I don't know, but that's horrible. I feel like there's no way he could have left on foot if the police arrived that quickly. And the police were already basically super close to this location when the call came in anyways, like there was an officer already pretty much on the premises.
1: Yeah. And okay. So we've been pretty rough on law enforcement lately. Oh yeah.
0: But I mean, there's good, like there, just like there are bad, right?
1: So I really think like everything that I could find, like I truly 100% believe that The Tinley Park police did everything they possibly could. And there was no egos involved. They were like raising their hand. Anybody want to come help? We'll take all the help they can get. They got help from like eight different towns around, including Chicago. Chicago stepped up and helped. Like they've solved a few murders in their day. Like this was taken very seriously. Immediately did everything possible they could. Chicago brought in a helicopter. So there's helicopters going around looking for him. They had cops going you know, in the area, door to door, like house to house. They were in every single store
0: in the area. Did they have any description of what this man looked like? And then too, I mean, they, Tinley probably didn't want this blemish of uh, five murders on their, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. Like Tinley Park has put up so much money over the years
1: trying to solve this. Like they, take this, they want this solved, obviously for obvious reasons, but like, I feel like they're not really trying to like brush it under the rug either. Like they're, you know, continuously trying to kind of bring this into light and try to do whatever they can to get somebody to come forward.
0: Is this case still open? Like, or is it considered a cold case?
1: So it's actually still open. There's always been somebody assigned to it, but it got a little more news coverage Uh, So it got, you know, more news coverage when it hit 10 years. Now we're at 14 years, but right around the 14 year mark, they actually assigned two new investigators to it. So they were able to get the word out, you know, more doing that. Like they put out a press release and then like, thankfully the news covered it again. And, you know, so there are fresh eyes on it and there's always been somebody working on this case.
0: No description, or is there a description of what the assailant looks like?
1: There's description. Let me let me tell you a little more uh about kind of what's going on. Let me actually tell you another quick sad story. Um, so we mentioned uh Carrie. So it's, Carrie was the one that you know her husband was at home waiting for her. And so this got picked up by news and everything so quickly that he's sitting at home and he's like, Where's my wife? Like, she should have been home by now. I'm sure he's thinking, like, God, how much is she spending? And he actually sees her on the, he doesn't see her, but he sees the situation on the news and he sees her for sure, her car sitting right in front of the store on all the news. So he has to just go, he goes straight to the Tinley park police department. And that's how he finds out that his wife was murdered. So that night, the police chief, Michael O'Connell, he made a statement and he said that they were confident that the suspect was no longer in the area that they've done a very thorough search and that, that they were confident, you know, he's not in this direct vicinity. They also stated that there were no survivors. And people get really mad at the cops about this because we eventually find out that there was a survivor. So
0: who was the survivor?
1: Martha, Martha, that I, I keep talking about. So when the cops get there, they find that there was one victim that survived. So that's why I don't have her full name or anything. And they keep it, you know, very secret because she was also shot in the back of the head. She just so happened to move right as it was happening. And somehow it like it raised her neck. And so when they got there, she was the only survivor and she ended up only spending, not only, but she ended up spending 24 hours in the hospital and was able to go home. So I hope that means that she really wasn't like hurt too bad. And she has been extremely helpful. Like the police say she's extremely helpful. She gave as much information as she possibly could. She's still always trying to help them any, any possible way that they can, but they've never released her identity and they didn't come out right away and say that she even existed for like a couple of reasons. Like they were really afraid because they didn't know who this guy is, they didn't know what he was capable of. They were afraid he was going to come back and try to attack her.
0: Because she was basically the only person that, that could identify him.
1: Exactly. Like it's the only person and they don't have him on camera or anything. And her memory, thankfully, he actually came up and talked to her first because she was working there. She was one right. Of the employees. So she provides this amazing description and, you know, she's doing anything that she can to you know, try to get this solved. The other thing is, so I'll go into his description, what she said, but so she's the one who confirms that they could hear the sirens in the background before the shooting started, which tells you a couple of things that it all escalated that quickly, that he was just like, well, I have no other options. I'm gonna shoot all these women. And also that like they could hear the sirens in the background. They had to either, I mean, either you have that thought of like, oh, this is really about to escalate or you think like, I would assume like, just go,
0: like, go, you got the money. Right. Why kill all these women? I also like, is it, is it, is that what the officers are supposed to do in a situation like this? I mean, I don't know if the call that was made to the 911 dispatcher, but I would think if I am, you know. Performing a robbery and then I hear sirens, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna escalate to that next level, right? So is that what maybe triggered him? Should they have not have used the sirens? Would that have maybe prevented him from killing these women if they had a, kind of gone in silently? Well, um, okay.
1: Honestly, not an expert. Don't know protocol, but <laughs> and I haven't heard the whole nine one one call, obviously, but. I'm pretty sure that the 911 operator knew that he knew that that she had called 911. Cuz they, they the, the cops do say that that like that he knew that 911 was called and that they were on their way. So I don't know if maybe that was like hey maybe it is a deterrent maybe if he hears we're like right around the corner that he'll just book Um, or flee right flee I I don't know I also assume there's probably different protocols when you have hostage situations and and things like that so honestly I don't think that the cop hearing the sirens had anything to do with it like I really think he knew the cops were coming Uh, a lot of people the internet's a horrible place reddit's even worse don't go there but um people are horrible about Rhoda and saying like basically like almost like she got them killed because she called the cops but like this guy wasn't, are leaving. you serious? Yeah. Are you
0: serious? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. We, there's an expert in everything on the internet and there's a hater for everything, but it, it was disgusting. Cause in my opinion, again, this isn't like he's quickly leaving. Like he's been there for over 30 minutes. Like this is literally her only shot for one for two. She has military background. And I'm not saying that that makes you like an end all, expert on situations but like she has far more training than I do like if she thought that like this was her only chance to save herself and these women like I think that was I'm sure the best thing she could have done decision that was the best decision and to be honest I because he was there for so long and he didn't have a mask on and all these things like I don't see the situation changing
0: yeah I mean she had no idea what his motives were but she took her opportunity like like anyone, I think anyone, if you're in that situation, you're going to try to save your own life.
1: Yeah. And it's not like she was like on the phone really loud. Like, Hey, no, like, she, she was trying to be discreet. Like she was doing everything she could to save herself and those other women and shame
0: no. on you people who
1: think that on Reddit. that's
0: you. awful. Yeah. That's awful. And then too, she's, she's not even alive. She lost her life.
1: Right. Like and it's just one of those, like, what a shoulda coulda situations. Like you've never been in that situation you don't know what she was going through. And again, wow. I still don't see how that situation was going to change any differently. You know, this was, this wasn't your standard quick robbery, but let's talk about this gunman. I hate this guy so much. So it does frustrate me. they, I mean, they, they have DNA. So supposedly, you know, it was under her nails. They have it in a couple of spots. They're confident that the the, the DNA under her nails was his. They don't know who it was, but they also have again the audio from the 911 call. And then cops released this description. And it says that he is a black male between 25 and 35. He's between 92 and 6'2. And then and that's in feet.
0: Wait, wait, he's between what?
1: Oh my God, did I just say that wrong? I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> I was like, wait, he's how he's a giant yeah. <laughs>
1: there's a giant
0: running through tinley park how can they not find this cat? he should be right he should be easy to find okay so i'm go ahead, go again repeat that i'm sorry i'm like i need to hear that again
1: let's let's start over so he is a black male between the ages of 25 and 35 and he's between five nine and six two so six feet two inches tall and he's between 200 to 230 pounds I think it can be difficult to tell. Cause again, this is February. He's got like a big, huge puffy coat on and he's got, so he has this very distinctive hairstyle that I think personally would make him stand out a little more, especially like in 2008, this wasn't like a huge hairstyle. It wasn't super popular, but he has four cornrows in and they're, they're like big puffy, because there's only four. And then in the front of his hair, he has this braid with green beads at the bottom of it.
0: That was not a trend in 2008. No, it was not. At least not that I recall. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like you have yeah. like rainbow
1: hair, but still, I think that's yeah. like a very unique hairstyle. I'm pretty sure that if you knew this guy, you heard that hairstyle and you were like, I know who did it. I yeah, or I have a I have a good idea. Like that's a pretty distinctive hairstyle, and they even went to like all of the you know the the hair places in the area to try to see if anybody had done this. And everyone was like, "No, I haven't seen this before." So, you know, he doesn't have any visible scars or tattoos. This hairstyle is like really the best way we have to identify him. Because he, he had a, a very puffy coat on and he had a skull cap, but nothing covering his face, and then. He did have on very flashy pants. He had on some G-unit pants. So do you remember when they would do like the G in like the rhinestones? Yeah. So he had that on. So, I mean, at least he came well-dressed, I guess, to to do this. Those are pretty common things to wear in 2008. I think if anything's going to give this guy away, it's really that hairstyle.
0: I agree. I also am curious, like, how can someone shoot five people right he he shot five women in the head
1: technically six. six six women in the head
0: so he was no amateur like you know i would assume shooting someone like that like that was not his first rodeo either
1: yeah i mean
0: that's my guess that's my guess
1: so i'll say like again the cops did whatever they could they used whatever possible resources they could and they actually had criminal profilers look at this case and so it was ed merca and (laughs) sorry so sorry guys and clint van zant and they're actually the uh they're the criminal profilers who worked on the ted kaczynski case the unabomber so they helped crack that so even they were looking in on this and you know, trying to help solve this. And they think actually that this guy was incarcerated before, maybe not for murder, but for whatever reason, he was incarcerated and he's not going back. Like he's gonna do anything that he possibly can to stay out of jail. And he's like willing to take drastic measures if he needs to like, well, obviously he's willing to kill in their minds, you know, he's willing to at least try to kill six women just to stay out of jail.
0: How about you just not go into to Elaine Bryan and kill five innocent, six, shoot five, kill five innocent women. How about you just not do that? How about you find something better to do with your time?
1: And I'm and like, let's be real. Like Martha didn't die, but like her life's probably, you know, I'm sure she's scarred.
0: Survivor's like, guilt. Come on.
1: Trauma, Like I... I could imagine you can like never go back in Elaine Bryant, probably never go back into any kind of store like that.
0: I'd be an agoraphobic. I wouldn't be able to leave my house. Is that what it's called? I think so. I, so. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to leave my house. I wouldn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't know how she's doing. I really pray that she's doing well. I mean, it sounds like she's a really strong woman, but still like nobody should, nobody should be put in that situation where they have to find out how strong they are surviving that. Right. So these profilers, they do say too, they, they think this guy is, you know, like I said, he's dangerous. He'll do anything to knock it out of jail. And that means that they think that he's eventually someone's going to know who this is, right? Like they're going to recognize the hairstyle. Maybe he's got a new girlfriend it gets a little chatty and like, they're making it clear, like this guy will kill again to not end up in jail over this. So like, if he has a girlfriend or something, I pray she just keeps her mouth shut, I guess. I don't know, but they get, like, they even say he'll kill a relative. Like, like this guy would probably kill his mom to stay out of jail
0: just 100 ruthless just
1: yeah ruthless. just to be clear they said a relative they didn't say his mom but <laughs> <laughs> but this guy's an asshole so he probably would. the cops actually they even take the footage like nasa ends up looking at the video footage and they try to like you know make it as clear as possible to hopefully see the license plate or something like even nasa couldn't get this but over time some more theories they do kind of surface the main one that I'm seeing. This is like the main one online is the theory is that it's not even a man, that it's actually a woman. I wish I'd sh- I should have pulled up the picture for you before we started recording. But so they say he has like a more feminine face and that he, when you actually hear him on the recording, they say it's like a little more high pitched than you would expect from a man. And somebody like in a couple of reports that actually said that he even had like manicured fingers, not saying that like, it was like painted pink or anything like that, but like, like he had, you know, maybe gotten a manicure recently. So a lot of people kind of point to that as to like saying that he's a female, uh, like I've seen all the pictures. I, I mean, I've seen everything that I can. And like, uh, to me, I, I I'm not seeing it. That Like, I'm not saying that it, it, it could go either way, but you know what I mean? This isn't like, oh, that's a woman. You know what I mean?
0: Well, the DNA that they found under the, the, the fingernails did that identify what s- the sex of the individual was. I don't know if I so worded that's that like right. My,
1: that's what, like what was really annoying me. I'm like, you know, shut up Reddit. Like um, <laughs> like they have DNA, the DNA will tell you. And they've been saying it's a man this whole time. Like they would be very clear that this is like, a woman if it was you know what I mean right so so yeah that drives me crazy and then the the other thing is that Martha says it's a man and she's the one there she's the one actually seeing him so I do know that like you know witness accounts often you know eyewitness accounts aren't always the best but to me she wasn't giving any indication that this was possibly a woman so I don't think this theory is that likely but there's people who like swear by it even on like true crime garage like there that's a really big podcast they like one of them is like very convinced it's a woman and I think a lot of that also goes off that it's like a woman's clothing store and like what were they doing in there
0: I'm not convinced that it was a woman either but but who am I I just I'm just like learning more about this case so
1: I did. I have to tell you about one comment that I saw. This one guy was like very infuriated and was like, this is why, this is why it was a woman. And he was like, cause no dude is going to get caught in G unit pants. <laughs> 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 Nails done. That's not science. <laughs> like, Thank God we got you on the case.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: But that, that, I mean, the cops have always said they have DNA, they've never said it's a female. I, I, I think it's probably a male uh, due to all of those reasons. You know, there's other theories obviously about it being a robbery and that maybe he was like purposely trying to rob a place that doesn't have a bunch of cash because if he gets under $200, then, you know, in a lot of like jurisdictions it will you know, that'll just kind of go away quickly. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. First of all, there's a gun involved. I think that always escalates the situation. You know what I mean? You're always going to get charged with more. So it's not like he walked in and like, just said, I'm robbing the place. Like he pulled the gun out immediately. Once he was taking those women into the back and you also like, he's sticking around trying to rob more people. So I don't think to, to me, that theory doesn't really make sense that he was like purposely trying to not get a lot of money. Uh, a lot of other, and, and like, obviously I think the cops have probably heavily looked into this because, um, this is what you, you look at first was like, was there a connection to somebody there? So people try to, you know, figure out if, was he a former employee or was he just somehow like an angry customer? Did something go wrong there? Um, so that could be it. One thing that, This isn't like a heavily talked about theory, but one thing that really confused me the entire time through the conversation is there's only two, two workers there. Right. And I don't know. I've seen a lot of stuff saying that like typically in, I, and I've never worked in like a store like this. I worked in like Best Buy where, but you'd always have like a manager and an employee on site. Right. Like you'd never have a situation where you don't have like some sort of an, like a manager on site. I don't know. manager.
0: I've never worked in retail. I have no idea.
1: Okay. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure, but uh, that was just like something I was seeing online a lot that like, so then they're questioning, did someone just call off that day? And is like that part of the reason Rhoda ended up going in? Like, was there another manager that should have been there and maybe was part of it like, was supposed to be in on this and was like supposed to help him get a bunch of money quickly. And then that, like that woman didn't show up or was he actually like a- there after her and then like she didn't show up for some reason uh, like the cops have never released anything co- even remotely saying this but that is like at least with that theory they always argue that like if Rhoda was not supposed to be there that day there should have been another manager there because Martha was not a manager
0: well, did they ever release how much money he actually got away with
1: I think they said that he got like $200 from the register. So that was all that was in the store because the money was already dropped off at the bank. And then they don't say what he actually got off the women and how much he was able to get off of them. But 2008, you're already talking about like most people aren't using much cash.
0: Right. It's debit everything, credit everything.
1: Yeah. So, you I mean, you can't assume that some woman's going to walk in with $1,000, right? Like it's probably not going to happen.
0: Over 200 freaking dollars.
1: Six lives ruined, five women dead. $200. You still don't, I still don't know who this guy is. And they get, they still get tips. Like they've said they've gotten over 7,500 tips throughout this since this started. And they're still getting between like one and two tips a month. I, I just wanna stress again how they're willing to like go the extra yard and just try to get like as much assistance as they can. They even reached out to VDOP, uh, and this is like a society. They're out of Philadelphia, and they're like just former investigators and prior law enforcement. And they just attempt to solve, you know, cold cases. And they've actually been pretty successful. They've they have like about a forty percent success rate, is what I found. And you know, unfortunately, they weren't able to help very much. I mean, they definitely tried. They've brought in the FBI, the Secret Service. I already mentioned NASA. So they're really, I mean, they're doing whatever they can to try to, you know, try to get this solved.
0: Crime of opportunity and a a guy gets away with murdering uh, these women.
1: Yeah. That's. I didn't write it down. I think it was on. What was it on? It was on. Oh my gosh. America's most wanted. I want to say. And after it aired, people were saying then like that it sounded like he had a bit of a Southern accent. I don't know.
0: So like he wasn't even from Illinois or Indiana or the Midwest at all. It was like he was from down south. There's so a chance.
1: Far. Yeah. Again, I 80s right there. He could have just been, you know, in the area. Some people bring up that maybe he was in a hotel in the area, Jenny Lynn Bishop. So some people speculate that he was actually like at the same hotel as it's Jenny. And then he was like, oh, she's going to recognize me. She's going to be able to go back and see, like, check the records at, you know the the hotel and be able to like find him that way but martha says it did not appear that he knew anybody in the store
0: ashley this is horrible
1: <laughs> so at location i mean it's just the actual lane bryant store just sat there for years they didn't really do anything with it the city not the city i'm sorry the village the village of tinley park was gonna tear it down and they were gonna build like a memorial for the women. And they talked to the family, and I'm not sure why, but the families really didn't wanna go that route. For whatever reason, they decided, like, no, we're, we won't do that. And they ended up renting it out to TJ Maxx. So Lane Bryant donated all of those clothes that were in the store at the time. And, you know, they continued to pay Martha for a long time. You know, when they stopped paying her, she, you know, she felt like, she, she, she still really liked the company and and they, she felt like they did their part. So it wasn't like that, that week they cut her off or anything like that. And, um, they, they've donated a bunch of money now because of this to, to different charities. And they're always trying to like get the name up. So when TJ Maxx ended up moving in, they did the same thing. They like donated to the same charities that Lane Bryant had been donating to. And so I've been in the TJ Maxx and to be honest, it is, it's kind of creepy. Like I, I didn't like, I'm, I'm getting the chills right now, actually. It wasn't till, too creepy until I was in the back. And then I was like, I had these like, not in the back, but the back of the store. And you can see like the door to get to the back. And I was like having these feelings of like, I wonder if there was like any sort of different build out or is like, is that the actual door that those poor women?
0: Oh, I, was lo-
1: I should have tried to talk to some of the employees. Like I couldn't imagine going into that back room. Like I'm sure... Like if you believe in ghosts, like that would be a haunted place. I feel like I would be very angry and still haunting the place. If someone shot me like that, please, if you know anything or like, please just get the word out about this case, it gets so little attention. I mean, I, I just wish they, they would cover it more or do something more. It is still an active case and you can always leave a tip. So the numbers, and I'll leave this in the case notes, but I'm sorry, the show notes, but it's eight, six, six. Five, 853 five, two, two, two. And that is a phone number that the Tinley Park Police Department pays for and they monitor and they still get tips on it. So and if you need any more incentive besides the fact that this guy needs to be off the streets and punished for this, there is a hundred thousand dollar reward for any tips that lead to or any information that leads to the arrest of this guy. So you know, I'm really praying and hoping we can just get this word out there, and that hopefully, eventually, at some point, somebody's gonna, you know, come forward, and this guy's gonna be off the street.
0: Yeah, I, he needs to be caught. This is awful. Oh, well, I thought this was really, really informative, sad and heartbreaking because those women lost their lives, and their families and loved ones are without them now, but. I think by you sharing the information of the tip line and stuff, hopefully get some traction and maybe they'll solve this case.
1: I really hope that they solve this case and they solve it soon. So again, if you could just get the word out, I'm not even saying like share our, our episode right now. This isn't like for a thousand miles of crime. Like this is for these strong women and their families that have now gone 14 years without them thanks you guys. We really, really appreciate you listening.